This week marks the one-year anniversary of Russia's entrance into Syria, and the path Russia is taking fits directly in with Bible prophecy, and therefore continues to bring us closer to our Lord's return. When we put the prophecies of the northern power together, we get a clear picture of what we would expect to develop prior to the return. And this is specifically what we are witnessing. Of great significance is the rise in Russia's dominance and influence and the decrease in the West's, especially in the Middle East. We've spoken about this from various angles on this program many times, but this week big steps were certainly taken. Welcome to the Bible in the News, and this is John Billington with you this week. Turn with me if you've got a Bible to Ezekiel chapter 38. And we've looked at this many times on this program, this this chapter, but simply because it's so relevant to everything that's going on. And I don't want to take too much time on this. Um, I sometimes get get in trouble for how long I speak on Bible in the News. We have to keep our remarks uh, at least somewhat short. So, what I'm going to do is, there's a, there's a section of the northern nations that uh, that are in an alliance in, in verse 5 and 6, and headed up by uh, Gog of, says the RV, of the land of Magog, and uh, Prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal. But, this is, uh, is actually, when you put the pieces together and go through these nations, it's pretty clear that you've got Russia and, and uh, Europe as the main part of the alliance and others with them, as we mentioned in verse 5. But verse 15 is makes this, uh, on a very basic level, quite clear. It says, And thou shalt come from thy place out of the, in the RV, uttermost parts of the north. So that uh, gives you at least a very general direction, and of course, this is in relation to Israel, so the uttermost parts of the north, I think, is is quite clear. But... Um, if you go to, if you want to look at this further, you can go to thebiblemagazine.com and look in the past issues and look up volume 21, issue number 4, and specifically page 20. But on the other side, what's interesting is on the other side you've got, in verse uh, 13, other nations that um, stand against Russia and this alliance and it's, they're named as Sheba and Dedan and the merchants of Tarshish. The New English Bible translates that, the traders of Tarshish, which is very interesting when we look at this power, because as it carries on, it says the merchants of Tarshish, or the traders, with all the young lions thereof. And again, we don't want to take the time to go into this, but it's clear that this Tarshish power, number one, it says the merchants of Tarshish, as we say, it, the New English Bible translates it the traders of Tarshish. It's a trading power, a trading alliance, primarily, first off, number one, that's what it is. But it fits directly in with Britain, with her commonwealth. And I'm just going to refer us to uh, the Bible Magazine, volume 20, issue number three, specifically page 15, if you want to look further into this Tarshish power. But certainly, Britain and the United States and Canada, New Zealand, Australia, all fit into this um, Tarshish with the young lions. And some people get tied up with America. She simply was the first to leave the nest. And although she's not considered um, part of the Commonwealth today necessarily, it's still her roots. And uh, regardless whether she can uh, play the games with the rest of the Commonwealth or not is um, beside the point. 
So you can look at that magazine for further on that. But the incredible thing is this week that the 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 power of Russia that has been really reshaped in the Middle East is absolutely incredible. But before we go uh, into the into the news of the week, just turn over to uh, Daniel chapter eleven because I think it's worth just having a quick look here because it, these points also. Um, come out of this chapter as well. Daniel chapter 11. And this is a it's a very interesting chapter. It's one that people say must be written after the fact because the history fits so perfectly in with what was written here in the chapter. But it starts off with um, Alexander the Great, a mighty king, verse 3. And after he dies, his kingdom is divided, it says, to the four winds, the four powers uh, of heaven, but not according to his posterity, and that's true. It went to not his um, descendants, it went to his four generals. And this chapter now is going to focus on two of those, the Ptolemies in the south and the Seleucids in the north. And it goes back and forth between and the, and the, uh, between the prophecies, uh, as it names them, the king of the north and the king of the south. And so you get this, um, the northern power, the, the Seleucids coming down into the Holy Land, and the uh, Ptolemies coming um, north up into the Holy, La- Holy Land, and there's sort of a, a, a continual uh, battling between them that is um, most of the focus of this uh, chapter. Now, the incredible thing is, is that you get little um, snippets, shall we say, or pictures of the characteristic of this northern power. And when you come to the end of the chapter, verse 40, all of a sudden, the story takes us all the way forward to the latter days. And in God's eyes, when he looks at the nations, he sees similar characteristics that have existed in previously in the Romans, that now exist today in Russia and Europe, and will be in you know full show at the time of the end. And so God can span thousands of years of time in a prophecy because he looks at the nations in a sort of in a certain way. He calls it the king of the north. The specific king himself can change, but it's that northern power, and that's exactly the case in this chapter. But as you go through, the characteristics of this northern power stay the same. And one of them is come through to verse uh, 14. And in those, ti- in those times shall many stand up against the king of the south, also the robbers of thy people. That's been translated uh, by uh, a gentleman by the name of John Thomas as the breakers of thy people. Young's literal translates it as the destroyers of thy people. Now, that's exactly what this northern power is. It is a destroyer of God's people. We looked at Ezekiel chapter 38. There, Israel stands alone, and they come against my people Israel, God says. And in the end, God destroys them. Uh, The power, the northern power in Ezekiel 38 is finally destroyed uh, at the beginning of chapter 39 on the mountains of Israel. And here, this power, as you go through is uh, is a destroyer of God's people. Um, verse End of verse 16, look, it's mentioned there again, and he shall stand in the glorious land, 
which by his hand shall be consumed or or uh, destroyed. And so again, here he is destroying the land. When you come forward, um, we see it again. Verse 31, And arms shall stand on his part, and they shall pollute the sanctuary of, the str- of strength, and shall take away the daily sacrifice, and shall place the abomination that maketh desolate. And so, all the way through, it is a it is against God's people, against God Himself, and against um, even at that point, even against the sanctuary as He defiles it. Verse thirty six, He exalts Himself, and we can't go into all of it. But look at what happens at the end, verse forty. All of a sudden, this prophecy is all to the you know the time of the time of. Um, the descendants of Alexander the Great, the Ptolemies and the Seleucids. And then I believe as we go through, you'd have a, you have a section here in the middle that actually relates directly to uh, Rome, the Roman power. But when we get to verse 40, it's all of a sudden the time of the end. So God has in this prophecy stretched it all the way through thousands of years of history as he sees this dominant northern power always being there. Incre- quite incredible. And so, therefore, you can trace the characteristics and, and put the pieces together. But, at the end, let's just read this. At the time of the end, shall the king of the south push at him, and the king of the north shall come against him like a whirlwind, with chariots and with horsemen, with many ships, and he shall enter into the countries, and he shall overflow and pass over. And this is exactly, this is the the coming forth of this power as, it, as he comes into um, Israel, in Ezekiel chapter 38. And here it is. The prophecies are aligning. And here it is in verse 40. With him coming into uh, again the, the the glorious land. Verse 41. And he shall enter into the glorious land. And many countries shall be overthrown. But these shall uh, be delivered. But this southern power. This, this king of the south. That pushes at him here. Is unable to stop his advancement into the holy land. He is overrun, and that is clear from this. And he makes his way actually all the way down into Egypt. And that's, this is what's incredible, because when we look at the news this week, um, Russia has just put in and deployed what's, what uh, the, their name is, the S-300 uh, missile uh, defense. And this is from the Jerusalem Post, um, and it reads, the deployment of this S-300 missile uh, system, which is a uh, surface-to-air missile, this deployment appears to be a clear, clear signal to Washington aimed at dissuading it from taking military action against the Assad regime. And uh, it, it says um, further down in the article, this system enables Moscow to shoot down aircraft within 400 kilometers. Now, the incredible thing is, is that this certainly protects um, Russia and also the Assad regime so they can accomplish what they want. Uh, There was some talk in America of them potentially intervening and bombing uh, the Assad regime to help out the rebels. Russia has done this to ensure that they are protected there and can uh, finish what they uh, started. But... Caroline Glick 
wrote a, um, a piece in the Jerusalem Post called Column 1, The New Middle East. And you can look at, oh, you know, Russia's put this, and it's actually a very highly advanced missile system into the Middle East. Oh, that's interesting. But Caroline Glick's article, and I actually suggest you read all of it, it's incredible because it shows the, the true result of what's uh, taken place here. And I'll start by just uh, reading the, uh, the introduction here at the beginning. So Obama let Syria burn, she writes. He let Iran and Hezbollah transform the country into their colony. And he let Putin transform the Mediterranean into a Russian lake. A new Syria is emerging, and with it, a new Middle East and world are presenting themselves. Our new world is not a peaceful or stable one. It is a harsh place. The new Syria is being born in the rubble of Aleppo. The eastern side of the city, which uh, has been under the control of U.S.-supported rebel groups since 2012, is being bombed into the Stone Age by Russian and Syrian aircraft. Now, here's the incredible thing. We've been waiting for, from these because of these prophecies, specifically Ezekiel 38, but all these prophecies, you put them all together, we've been waiting for this to happen, this new, the Middle East to ch- to change and to take a new shape and here she says a new syria is emerging and with it a new middle east and world are presenting themselves she carries on and says by adopting a strategy of total war putin has ensured that far from becoming the quagmire that president barack obama warned him syria would become the war in Syria has instead become a means to transform Russia into the dominant superpower in the Mediterranean at the U.S.'s expense. In exchange for saving Assad's neck and enabling Iran and Hezbollah to control Syria, Russia has received the capacity to successfully challenge U.S. power. Last month, Putin brought an agreement with Assad before the Duma for ratification. The agreement permits, indeed invites, Russia to set up a permanent airbase um, outside the civilian airport in Latakia. Russian politicians, media, and security experts have boasted that the base will be able to check the power of the U.S. Navy's 6th sixth, uh, sixth Fleet and challenge NATO's southern flank in the Mediterranean basin for the first time. The Russians have also decided to turn their naval station at Tartus into something approaching a full-scale naval base. With Russia's recent reapproachment with Turkish President uh, Recep er- Erdogan, NATO's future ability to check Russian power through the uh, the airbase in Sir- in Serlik airbase is in question. Even Israel's ability to permit the U.S. access to its airbases is no longer assured. Russia has deployed air assets to Syria that have cancelled Israel's regional air superiority. This is, this is incredible. Who, who saw this coming? They're now saying, she carries on saying that um, Israel was actually uh, shot at from, from, uh, from Syria. One of their jets going over was actually shot at as a, as a, as a warning uh, signal. Things are changing. And she then carries on and, and she, she says, America's loss of control over the eastern Mediterranean is a self-induced disaster. But in, it is a disaster for America and, un, you know, unfortunately it is a disaster for Israel. 
but it's going to bring about exactly what we the the situation that we would read of in Ezekiel 38. We've got to see some peace develop, a temporary peace. Whether we see that or not before the return of Christ or not, that's another discussion for another time. But as far as Russia is concerned and the West is concerned in the Tarshish power, this is fits perfectly in. And this is in and read the whole article. Go and read the whole article. But um, I, I'm going to read you some more here because this is this is the nail on the head. This is this is the prophecy. Uh, this is getting three quarters of the way through the article. She says, but the fact that Russia targeted the planes, uh, the ones that were shot at, makes clear that Putin has decided to send Israel a very clear and menacing message. He is now the protector of the Iranian Hezbollah colony on our northern border. If Israel decides to preemptively attack targets that belong to that colony, Russia will not stand by and watch. And with the U.S. no longer well positioned to challenge Russian power in the region, Israel will have to deal with Russia on its own. This is Ezekiel 38. This is it. This is Ezekiel 38. I mean, certainly this, you know, that's happening is not Ezekiel 38, but the situation is the one that exists in Ezekiel 38, where Israel will have to deal with Russia on its own. Those words from Caroline Glick is exactly the picture we find in the prophecies. Israel has to deal with it on its own. And when Israel has to deal with it on its own, unfortunately, she fails. But, fortunately, Israel has a God. And all these prophecies all agree on one thing, is when these nations come against Israel, the end is catastrophic for this northern power. Uh, turn over to uh, Joel chapter 3. Uh, Joel chapter 3, just before the book of Amos. Behold, in those days and at that time when, it, when I shall bring again the captivity of Judah and Jerusalem, we see that today, accomplished, check it off, I will also gather all nations and will bring them down into the valley of Jehoshaphat, and I will plead with them there for my people and for my heritage Israel, whom they have scattered among the nations, and they have parted my land, says God. And so God intervenes. God doesn't let it continue. And it's no different when we come to the prophecy of Ezekiel 38. He says, I will, in the end of, uh, end of Ezekiel 38, uh, verse um, 21, And I will call for a sword against him throughout all my mountains, saith the Lord God. Every man's sword shall be against his brother. And he finishes verse 23, Thus will I magnify myself and sanctify myself, and, will, and I will be known in the eyes of many nations, and they shall know that I am the Lord. And verse 4 of chapter 39, as we referred to before, Thou shalt fall upon the mountains of Israel, thou and thy bands or hordes, and the people that are with thee. This northern power will be destroyed. But the situation that developed this week with, with Russia, and to be honest, there was more that even happened, more more than just what we've talked about. Um, it's it's now been reported that she's considering military bases in Cuba and Vietnam, and is now moving nuclear-capable missiles into Kaliningrad, which is a piece of Russia that is actually not joined to main the main part of Russia. It's sort of um, landlocked between Lithuania and Poland. And so it's a very... Um, 
confrontational move to take those missiles, nuclear-capable missiles, and putting them right there. Some of the papers are saying Russia is preparing for war. The the level to that that we see uh, developing in front of our very eyes is truly incredible. We can be so thankful that we have these prophecies. We can be so thankful that we have a hope that is given to us in the Word of God. Things are going to get much worse before they get better. But through all of this, the nation of Israel will continue to be developed as God wants them to become a holy nation. And as individuals, we have an opportunity to examine ourselves and to look at ourselves in these last days. Prophecy is not given so that we can look and say, look at how fancy we are. We can predict events. Look at how you know, amazing I am in any way. It's nothing to do with us. And it's all to do, and, God's, and God is doing it for one, well, one of, the, one of the main reasons God's doing it for is so that we can be alert, so that we can know that God is working in the nations. His purpose is continuing to be um, laid out. His, this, this plan and purpose that the world is so completely unaware of is playing itself out. When we read these things, that line from the Caroline Glick's article, as soon as I read it, I said, that's Bible in the news. Israel will have to deal with Russia on its own. The game has changed. This week, the game has changed. I mean, and Russia has been mocking at uh, the U.S. saying, you know, try and fly your invisible planes over Syria now. This is... It is truly a game changer, and it's what we would expect from the prophecies, but when it starts starts to develop in front of your eyes, it still is uh, still is an incredible thing to, to witness. And as I say, we can be so thankful. This is Bible in the News this week, uh, uh, everyone. We really appreciate you tuning in, and uh, we appreciate your support uh, on tuning in. And if you want to do more for us, honestly... Help us out and um, order the Bible magazine. That is one of the most helpful things you can do for us to keep the work going. And that uh, continues to get the word out for us. And and help us educate where we can on some of these incredible things. So you can subscribe to the Bible magazine. You can get it for a friend uh, on there for a reduced rate. And that's available on the uh, again on the Bible magazine website. And if you have questions... Uh, you should be able to look up on there about your your uh, in your region who you would contact for uh, for an aid to the Bible magazine agent if you want to order other materials or if you want to uh, send in a subscription through the snail mail. So that's one of the biggest things you can do to help us is by subscribing to the magazine. But regardless, we can be thankful that we have these things. And if nothing else, please tune in again next week to hear another edition of the Bible in the News. Thank you.